Hello and welcome to this week's Statsman Podcast with me, James York, and... Ted Knutson. How are we this Hi, James. fine day, Ted? Uh, I'm alright. I'm not wet. It is cold. Uh, welcome to the dark month, as the Scottish apparently call it. Right, that's civilities out of the way. Let's get podcasting. Uh, no films this week, which may or may not please you. Although I have watched films That's not week. entirely true. You you wrote a review. I did. I wrote a quick review of The Irishman. I really like The Irishman. Tom Life tweeted I suspect The Irishman. Your review is like, I suspect your review is a lot quicker to read than actually watching the movie. Yeah, that's one complaint. I, di- I didn't feel that way about it, though. I thought it was very good, and uh, and di- I didn't feel a minute was wasted. I don't know. This is, I, tell you, I, I genuinely don't understand. People binge-watch uh, series constantly, like 10, 12 episodes. Right, that's fine. You put in a movie and you say it's three and a half hours long. Oh my god, I can't commit to that. It's too long. It's like, hang on a minute. These things do not equate. But you can you can hit pause, apparently. I don't have three and a half hours to do like a single thing. <laughs> I, that doesn't work in my in my life. But, uh, you, know, you can certainly watch it in, in an almost episodic manner. Yeah. So, um, James, do you binge watch series? No, I don't. <laughs> but I okay, so people do. mean other people. I have in the past, but like not, you know. I just, I just don't watch TV shows at the moment. Don't bother. Not interested. What do you do? Uh, that's a good question. Watch a lot of sport. Just kind of tit about on the internet as you do. There's so many things to do when you're kids. Like you know, it's just like right. You got four channels, and uh, you know, you've got one game for your computer console or whatever your console. <laughs> it's like right, okay. Maybe I'll get another game at Christmas. Six months away. <laughs> yeah, my my kids like have no idea how lucky they are to be able to have access to all of the cartoons or yeah. know, sort of kids television whenever they want on demand. Like they literally don't have to wait until like three thirty every day and hope yeah. that it's a new episode or anything like that. Exactly. And they have years. They have like you know all of recorded human history available to them really as well. So yeah, the kids these days so lucky. How about football clubs? Are football clubs lucky? Uh, probably. Wait, no, we're not starting with football clubs. We're starting with uh, with awards, which I hate and you hate, but I felt like we needed to talk about this one. The Ballon d'Or, Messi comeback trail. Yeah, he's won it. I so I, I hate the awards. I I think that they're useless. They're popularity contests. They they almost never bear any real relation to you know uh, a scrutinized reality. They're they're like what people happen to think. They're they're almost exactly. The antithesis of what we do, which is to, to build, you know, cases for things and to look at it analytically and objectively and say what should happen. Like the the Ballon d'Or, especially like year after year, is just like you know the media narrative. Yeah, and it's interesting because um, you know obviously it's a team game. Liverpool had like six players in the top twenty, and it's like yeah, because probably Liverpool haven't got their crazy standout one player. Uh, if they if Liverpool did have one crazy standout player, not like a great front three or you know great fullbacks, great centre back, great goalkeeper, then one of them would have probably won it because it was kind of Liverpool's year with the Champions League and the Champions League counts for a lot. But so no. so here's the thing with that. I mean, not only Liverpool's year with the Champions League, but Liverpool like having the best Premier League run they've ever had yeah, and, yeah. and nearly nearly pipping you know the second best Premier League team of all time uh, coming off the back of the best Premier League team of all when time when was the City game that they lost is, have they been unbeaten all year it's nearly it's, or it's nearly a year if, even if it isn't so that's that's yeah, a it's, feat it's in an incredibly long time hmm. exactly and actually so this is the reason why I wanted to talk about this I would have voted for Van Dyke. would you now see I, I would have. I wouldn't have I, I, I would have voted for Van Dyke for a lot of reasons but the big one is, are you ever able to vote for a centre-back in this award? 
Uh, I can't remember. Cannavaro won, won, won a version. I can't remember if it was this one or one of them, the other one. was when Italy won the World Cup. And again, that was a similar kind of situation so far as you had uh, Italy won the World Cup. And it was like, right, okay, who's their star man? And if they had, like, anyone approaching, like, uh, you know, a kind of, like, electric striker or, you know, some, uh, you know, a kind of Zidane figure, they had people like Pirlo in there. But they weren't quite, they're just not quite at the status. So it was like, okay, everyone was, like, defaulting to the centre-back. I feel it's a little bit like that with Liverpool. Um, I don't feel that though. I think I think Virgil Van Dijk is the most dominant player in the league. I, I think Virgil Van Dijk has is playing at a level you almost never see center backs play at, and a very good team. But like the reason why they're good is because they're defensively good in ways that people can't fully explain. I guess like for the numbers and stuff like that. And and Van Dijk is unbelievable. Allison's very good, but I think Van Dijk is is one of the best center backs that we've seen over the last couple of years. Like in recent times, and so if you're not gonna, if you're not gonna, this is a team that you know dispatched Messi's team. Sure, uh, this is a team that that went toe to toe with City and Pep and 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 like pure awesomeness like last year in in the league. And this, as you mentioned, this year like basically haven't lost in what feels like an epic amount of time. Like if you can't vote for the best player and he's the best player on that team, uh, at least has been, you know, Salah, you could say was the best player a year before, but Verge has been that best player. If you can't vote for that now, then like just get rid of the concept that you could vote for other position players. Like you might be able to vote for a midfielder. You have to vote for a striker, but we can't vote for a center back because like what else are you going to get? What what other example is it going to happen where you should be voting for a center back in this award? I just can't detach him from the rest of the team. Like I think Robertson is one of the best fullbacks in the world. Or not, uh, I don't Alex, think so. Alex, I, I think Robertson's good. I don't great. think he's, he's one of the best fullbacks. He really is. And Alexander Arnold's uh, quality. I think Mane's had a great season, a uh, great year, and like. Could, could be a contender there I think this is the problem there's so many of Liverpool's players have, have been outstanding I don't know it feels to it feels to me a little bit like when Can- Conte was getting all the plaudits and don't get me wrong Conte's a fantastic player but it was like it's almost like people are admitting like the rest of the team I don't know I think like the thing with Ronaldo and Messi over time is you can actually I feel like I can tangibly grasp how they've elevated their teams and I mean, you couldn't. I couldn't say that with Modric either. I mean, Modric is circumstantial. You know, he's, he's playing for the Champions League winners, and he got to the World Cup. I, I certainly wouldn't have voted for Modric at all. Like, like if mm. you're going to vote, I mean, that was yeah, silly. Yeah, I mean, that just felt like a circumstantial kind of uh, case. It's like, right, okay, we need what it's, it's what we're going to do for, for Rafael Varane. <laughs> you know, that was that was the kind of like, well, he won the Champions League, he won the World Cup. I mean, if that's the quality, Dyke continues thing. to score goals, by the way, uh, <laughs> at a level that you know center backs are not supposed to score goals too. Yeah, now, obviously it, that's recency bias. And it's a set piece thing, <laughs> but again, no, it's not recency bias. He's got like twice the amount of goals of any center back in the in the Premier League over over the last year as well. Over the last, weekend. I just I just think that we need. Yes, he's got way more than twice over the last weekend. <laughs> Jerk face. Uh, <laughs> but um, no, I, I just feel like you know, if, if you're going to have this pretext that says that you should vote for you know the best player on the best team, and Liverpool were probably the best overall team uh, over the last season and have continued on to do that, yeah. then it should be Virgil van Dijk and, and otherwise just get rid of the, the idea that a centre-back is ever going to win this. Uh, maybe maybe a poor old goalkeeper. If you're absolutely getting pelted, but somehow managed to drag your team over the line in the Champions League, you know maybe that's when you vote for them. But otherwise, it's just all going to be attackers and midfielders. It's one of the one of the funny things is it's essentially an award for like last season, really. Sure. But 
how you perform this season kind of has is is relevant towards it because it, it has a little of, it color steers the votes and whatever and so if you're out for the first six games of the year you still get to be voted in then but so from that from that regard like the, the guy who's having an absolutely insane season like this season is Lewandowski who I think finished eighth hmm. in this and it's just got like 26 goals or something or something already this season, like including like something like sixteen in the Bundesliga, ten in the Champions League. It's abs- absolutely off the charts. Good, good season he's having at age thirty-one or whatever. So uh, yeah, despite buying sacking the manager, I mean, like, how's that? How's that going on? But yeah, it's, it's, Have you it's heard interesting. Of this kid named Kylian Mbappe. Well, he's pretty good. Why? Why wasn't he up there? I guess uh, well, didn't go deep I, enough into I, the I, Champions League. He'll have to wait. For that's the almost certainly true. And he's only played about half the time this season. So I guess you know that recency element is is washed out. But yeah, and and people don't respect the French league probably as much as they should. Ronaldo's but I don't know. It's, third place was a little contentious. People are going to get grumpy with me about the the Robertson thing. I, I think Trent's in like the top ten of fullbacks. I'm not sure that I have him in like the the top five and probably not the top three for his position. I really like him, but um, sorry, Andy Andy Robertson. Um, Trent I think is probably higher than that, but he does different stuff. Like Trent is basically quarterbacking from right back, which is very unusual. And I'm sure that there are good reasons why Liverpool have that happening, uh, and probably. One of the <laughs> it's one of the reasons why their defense is so good is that you know they have they have their attack coming from a slightly unusual position an unusual angle, uh, which allows their their midfield to like possibly not be as vulnerable. But anyway, I just felt like this year Verge should have won it. I didn't feel like it was it was Messi's necessarily year, even though he keeps doing amazing things. No, and that's it's almost that's a fair point as well because it, it doesn't you know Messi they won the league. Yeah, that was it. So, so okay, Messi. Yep, did scored great. If goals. you're the greatest player of all time, if you're the Ballon d'Or winner, then your team shouldn't have given up a, a, a four goal lead or whatever going into the final game of the Champions League knockout. Blah blah blah. I agree. Uh, no, anyway, so uh, <laughs> Harry Kane should have won it. Right, that's that's ten minutes on that, Ted. I think we're going to risk upsetting people if we carry on talking cup, about awards. Cup striker Harry Kane. The top striker Harry Kane. Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, cup striker. No, he, he only performs in cups now. Uh, <laughs> anyway, who is it? Who's they playing now? Man United tomorrow. He'll, he'll score a hatful there. I guarantee it. Right. Now, other news. Other news in the world of football was that Arsenal finally canned Unai Emery um, after what felt like I don't know when. When could you have first actually argued a case to like say like actually you know, Emery's not working? Pretty much any point during his whole when, tenure when he didn't make the Champions League, I think was probably the, that's fair. The point at which I mean that that run in was so horrific that. Mm. But it was colored by the fact that they did make the Europa League final. Yeah, and that can buy getting to a European final can buy you a little bit time, a little bit of time compared to mediocre metrics, as we've learned in other, <laughs> especially other in clubs. North London. Yeah, apparently that's a that's a key thing. But it's interesting. I mean, I've got a list of. Um, uh, what the betting markets are suggesting are the contenders. Um, uh, variously, Allegri is favourite. Now, I've got an interesting little con- comment on Allegri I found on his Wikipedia page. On 5th of June 2012, Allegri stated he intends to coach for only 10 more years and plans to retire at the age of 55 due to the fact that coaching contains a high level of stress and anxiety. He also said he hopes to coach the Italian national side before he, before he retires. Now, people change their mind, and especially when this kind of thing comes along, but by my calculations, that gives him three years and he hasn't managed the Italy side yet. Is he going to Arsenal? I don't know. 
So Ornstein's Ornstein's Juice Podcast, and I, I call it that because like, it just feels like juicy gossip. Yeah. But there's almost nothing else like it as well. It, I, I really like Chappers as well. So Mark Chapman's on there, and I feel like it's almost getting to the point where if you're inside football, like it's it's almost mandatory listening, just because like there's just like these details that you don't you don't get to touch elsewhere. So anyway, Ornstein uh, on the podcast had uh, some insight on on a lot of either past. Uh, interview stuff because Arsenal have mm. you know, interviewed managers in the not too distant past, and then also you know some context around the, some of the names that are you know as you say in the gambling markets. And Allegri's one was one he actually did interview, and the interview went really badly uh, apparently because he didn't speak basically any English, like not you know not like small talk English or anything like that, and didn't speak that much in the meeting as well. But also was quite. Again, this is his words, not mine, but quite arrogant and somebody else's words in reality. Um, arrogant, but also like wanted to bring like nine staff members with him, yeah, which is a lot. ton. Mm. And, and and not only is it a ton, but it means that like they would have to clear kind of the front of house of a lot of long term people. And <clears throat> these football clubs, these big football clubs, especially almost have like a layer of bureaucracy. Uh, that exists below kind of the the manager, his assistants, and like maybe one or two key people, which is usually like a four to five person team. But that layer of bureaucracy, you know, keeps them turning over as they change manager on a fairly regular basis. And they're actually pretty important because those are the people that keep the institutional knowledge around, um, you know, around the big clubs. And, and that stuff matters. Like, why did we do this? What's going on here? Uh, so anyway, uh, nine would have been too many. So like that one kind of got brushed aside. So Allegri, you know, not super exciting I thought for those just, reasons. Just to hint in on Allegri, so he suppose he interviewed for this job in 2018 whilst he was still Juve manager. Because then he... Yeah, then he, he knew then, that he was leaving. Then he managed Juve for a year. Another he year. He knew he was leaving. Yeah, but I thought that was interesting. It was like, okay, you know, oh, he's interviewed... I didn't put those two things together until I actually like, looked him up and it was like, ah, well, hang on a minute. So he interviewed for this job whilst he was Juve manager and then went on to manage Juve for a whole extra year. That's a bit Yeah, I, I... No, I think that's actually pretty normal. So, like, say say that you know that you're kind of going to wrap up and if Juve had the opportunity to get somebody like, which could have been Sorry at that time, right? Remember, Sorry was yeah, yeah. On, on his way to Chelsea. Um, yeah, I mean, it's... It's the type of thing that that's pretty straightforward. You're like, look, if I get an opportunity in a new place, I'm kind of ready to move on. I'll see out my contract if it doesn't happen, but like I, I'm gonna go sort of chase this down and see what's what. Some places, you know, will get offended and they'll be like, oh no, we're gonna fire you because of that. And you're like, whatever. Like we're we're adults. Let's have an honest conversation. You know, it's it, adults in football. Probably too few and far between on the ground sometimes. So yeah, fair comment. Um. So, we re Allegri, do you, do you think that ship has sailed then, potentially, already, a year ago? Or, you know, has, well, will, will, will the, you know, has the sands under the feet changed? And um... The other context around, uh, around the Ornstein stuff, and the, we'll go through a few more, but was basically that <coughs> Arsenal didn't want to pay a ton of money and Allegri was going to cost a fortune. Right, and, and now he isn't. Like, yeah. I mean, he might cost less, but his wages were going to be very, very high. That's true. And that was that was part of the context around it. So, uh, I don't know how high Emery's wages were. I'm pretty sure that um, he had only a two year, uh, basically a two year guarantee that would have locked in another year guarantee if he'd made the Champions League or was in Champions League positions. But he's not, so it doesn't matter. So I don't think that it was super expensive. But again, you know, Arsenal are allegedly brushing up against FFP and the Kroenke 
organization hasn't wanted to spend a ton of money at any point really and they've they've never given like a cash injection or anything like that so that's that's the other context around it which leads you into uh you know one of the the fun rumors which is that rogers is there and rogers has allegedly has a, a clause that lets him go to one of these big clubs but the clause is something like rumored to be 10 to 15 million as a, as a buyout which is not insubstantial the thing with Rogers is like he'd be crazy to give up what he's got right now I think I mean like I he's almost guaranteed a Champions League spot right now it's close isn't it I mean yeah I think they're they're you know heavy kind of like third favorites to get to the uh, you're 12 points clear <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> like, yeah, they, even if your metrics are not great, twelve points is a lot to make up in re- the last twenty. It really games is, and the, the and the thing is, I've, I've been thinking about this recently. If you look at Leicester's side, they're packed full of players that you think like are oh, like anyone, not anyone, but like you know, the larger clubs could have taken a taken a gamble, a small gamble on some of these players, Pereira and Didi Madison. There's loads of them in. Two there. summers ago, mm. two summers ago, we talked about this and said this is exactly the right way to build your club. We talked about it when they when they hired Pereira, when they when they got Madison. We're like, oh, I love these buys. Like this feels exactly how you want it to to be built because they're giving themselves a chance to like have that core gel to maybe add one or two people and then to to you know to catapult up into the 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 top four ranks. I was a little less enamored of some of their buys um, this past yeah. summer, mostly because like I was not a fan of the price they paid for Ayozi Perez. No, but I I love Harvey Barnes. We've talked about Harvey Barnes since he was you know I, at Barnes Lee, um, you know, kind of yeah, he's, bouncing he's, around down there. He's been a you know nice nice bonus to come through and. and- Tielemans has been good. Soyunku, they they allegedly kind of stumbled into. Chilwell has been on the radar of everybody who has basically reviewed, um, you know, young left backs in and around England. So, like, you know, this squad looks exactly how we would want to build it. And that's where they are. They're, like, you know, at the top or or near the top of the table, maybe slightly unjustly in in some ways. Yeah, I mean, they're there. Yeah, they've they've won won more games than than you'd expect them to by any any kind of measure. And... You know they're, they're certainly riding the benefits of some numbers at the moment, as as are Liverpool to some degree. But that's that's fine. You need that if you're going to get somewhere. And the point the point is, I think, you know, a couple of choice signings uh, in the summer. You know, you, Champions League football. It's it's a good time to be Leicester manager. Now, is it this? Would you feel the same way about being Arsenal manager? Maybe. You know, if 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 I was Brendan Rodgers and I've got a clause that any of the top six come in for me, that uh, you know, potentially I can I can go there. I think Arsenal probably is the team that I wouldn't want to go to of the six. Um, Thanks, James. <laughs> I don't. I'm not being a Tottenham <laughs> fan there, but honestly, I just think the way the way things are set up, they're still a year or two away from kind of where you might w- want them to be. Where you'd actually think like, I like the look of that project. I like, you know, I like I like the look of where they're at. There's not too yeah. much turning over to be done. There's still a lot of work to get to that point. And same with Man United, but you just feel like you just feel like you can probably eke out a little more backing from the board if you're in at Man United. I think, and you know, essentially. You're a, much bigger club but they're probably it, the it, it was very nice of Leicester to like squeeze the magic money tree of Manchester United for that little bit extra on Harry Maguire this summer too like, <laughs> obviously that was that was very valuable and you know all credit to them like there's a lot of good squad planning in there Rodgers was a, a very good hire at the time they're not as good as their league position and we always kind of talk about this stuff like that's not a critique um, by us it's basically a critique that says that you know I don't believe that their current league position is super sustainable, at least in terms of the number of wins they've gotten points. But 
it still means they should probably be in and around the top four and they're there now so it doesn't matter like they're they're so far ahead of everybody else because you know Tottenham, Manchester United and Arsenal have really struggled this year. Yeah, that's the thing. We'll have a little look at the top four in a bit. We'll, we'll continue to plough through some managers. Um, you've got the kind of like filling the club legend role. You've got a nice little duo. These are the kind of the, all the favoured ones uh, at the moment, according to the betting. Lundberg and Arteta. Lundberg, it feels left field to me. I mean, if, if you're plugged into Arsenal and you're you know, following the kind of back backroom stuff and you know you know what what your coaches are doing then maybe you're a little bit more enamored than i am about it um it's just it doesn't it doesn't scream uh exciting uh manager for the future he's got a lot to prove he's got everything to prove in fact and our test is appealing obviously because you know the pep link and you think okay if arteta comes in and you know kind of tries to install a way of playing that would is is you know appealing for or was appealing for Arsenal squad a year or so ago before they sold. <laughs> they shipped a few on and became a little bit more utilitarian. But I don't know. Yeah, I, sure. they're, 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 they're still a little bit... They're, they're risky, aren't they? Because they're the young, younger, kind of less experienced, uh, ex-pro legends of club types, which hasn't always worked out. Sometimes it does. Everyone's like, hoping that it'll be Pep and ready. Yeah. I thought that it was exactly the right time to name Mikel Arteta when they named Emery. And there are a lot of reasons behind that. But, you know, you're able to take some risk at that point. Yeah. Uh, you know, he has learned uh, under Pep. Like, he's had an influence under Pep. He's helped create better attacking players. Allegedly, he was one of the people that have really helped Raheem Sterling bounce up to that next level. And I think that, you know, that kind of concept around it. Plus, you know, you've got some grace there because, like, you know, uh, Wenger's left. You're starting at sixth place. You don't have huge expectations yeah. from the fans. And you get to kind of ride this, this like, positive story. So he gets to learn on the fly. And, and there's, like, there's just – it's not a pressure cooker at that time. Now – there is a bit more pressure on the fact that, you know, Emery's team has struggled. They're quite disorganized. You know, maybe Jungberg has been really good in the U23s. I haven't heard any, you know, super excitedness about it. My understanding, again, like Ornstein also said this, is that it's not, he's a bit of a long shot. But he's a long shot that might back into the job, at least for the rest of the season, because some of their candidates that they're high on don't want to start midseason, or they, you know, they're... They're too expensive, which is entirely possible as well. But there was, there was certainly talk that um, he was—he thought he was getting the job last time, so he could quite, quite realistically be sitting there thinking, like, "Yeah, fuck that, I'm not doing it." <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't well, understand that. If he, I don't understand if he felt a little personally chastened by what came before. I don't know. We just—it's it's hard to know. It's hard to know with him. And I—I mean, I, mean, I, I didn't—I didn't hear that at all. The about him getting the job last time. I okay. Like, not not Jungberg anyway. Arteta possibly. No, yeah, Arteta. I don't mean Jungberg. Just oh, sorry. Arteta. Sorry. Yeah, uh, and 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 that's that's possible too. But like you know, there was upheaval behind the scenes. Uh, allegedly, the the people that didn't want Arteta are are the ones that are still there. Um, you know, I guess Gazidis was one of the ones that was fighting for him. At least that was the rumor. But again, this is all stuff that is unconfirmed and and not things that I personally have heard of or anything like that. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll see on that one. And and the question like really 
and we do this type of recruitment constantly. We do head coach recruitment. Um, you know, we probably do it a couple of times a year. It's the thing that we've done the most from a consulting perspective since we we started the company. Is that like what what do you want? <laughs> you know, like what is the clear remit for your next coach? Because that's where you start this type of stuff. Um, with Jungberg, I think it's a little bit like the Ole Gunnar Solskjaer thing, where you've got somebody that would be excited to take it over. You don't need to give him a long-term contract right now because, like, where else is he going to go? You don't need to give him anything more than this season, do you? This is the thing. Like, you, yeah. can, you, you can see how it goes. Right, six games in, he's won five. Great. You can ride it out to the summer, see how you get on. And that was the Solskjaer era that we, everyone felt was that they didn't let it ride out to the summer and see how it sh- shook out. And then it's been crap since then. The thing is, we've gone through four... And I've ruled them all out from various reasons. <laughs> <laughs> and who's next on the list? It's Pochettino. And it's like, come on. <laughs> so that's a summertime only signing. Yeah, yeah, quite. Uh, yeah. They're, they're definitely not paying whatever Daniel Levy wants to get him out of that. Um, I'd be but ast- it's a pretty good a, signing. I'd be astounded, <laughs> absolutely astounded. I mean, like, there's, I'm surprised there's as much noise around it as, as there has been. For the sheer fact that like he will, at some point, have his pick of the clubs... And I don't know. He's there's always you know he's an Espanol guy, and he won't, you know probably won't go to Barcelona. He's he's been a real you know Tottenham guy for a long time. I'd be astounded. I know it's business. I know you know these these things don't run as deep for you know the uh, professionals than they do the the fans and stuff. But I still would genuinely be really surprised that he'd kind of uh, cock a snook at his his recent history and cock and actually snook. you know kind of cross the divide. Yep. Can you explain that phrase for our non-James uh, listener? <laughs> just, um, just you know, turn his nose up at it oh. and say like, "No, forget it." I'll do. I'll. I'll literally kind of betray the my former beloved fans and all that kind of thing. I don't think he's that kind of that kind of guy. Really. I'm with you. I, I don't. don't I think I, mean, it's, I could be surprised. I think it's something that you know is a fun storyline for the media, and he's available. But I don't think it happens, and I don't think it's close. So. I, I, I would be pleasantly surprised if it happened in the summer. I think he's quite a good coach. So there you go. I'll rattle off a list and like if anyone's if you, if you think anyone's anyone's viable, shout. All right, Nuno, Eddie Howe, Rafa, Pat Vieira, Ancelotti, and then we're into like Potter, Ten Hag, Rangnick, Genesio. Uh, oh God, the, not know. Bruno! Don't do Bruno. <laughs> not much, not much. I, Mar- Marcelino. <laughs> Bruno also probably has like a large buyout. Like having knowing what Beijing did with their last head coach, like you're looking at maybe anywhere between five and ten million euros. In order Stevie to get Gerrard. Out. Uh, let's not do that. That would be really uncomfortable. All right, so go back to the top, and I'll tell you. I'll do. We'll do the lightning round of, of like yes or no. We get these lists get stupid by the time you get to the bottom. <laughs> anyway, Sol right, Campbell sorry. is now a qualified <laughs> manager. How dare you, Tony Adams? What no? No. Yeah, so. <laughs> Go no. back to the top. Right. Come on. Right, so yeah, it was Nuno Spiritus Santo, Eddie Howe, yeah, uh, boring. Hang on. We're gonna do one by one. Don't okay. don't just like rattle them off. So Nuno is is a bit boring, not sure that he knows how to attack. Uh, I think Wolves are good. Wolves are very good defensively. The problem is he just could the yeah, he could potentially have, have earned um a slot, one of these kind of slots. I think he's done well enough at Wolves. Whether you can pry him out of there with the kind of uh, you know, agent links and all that kind of thing. We'll see about that. But Just like, the eight yeah. draws in fourteen games so far this year for Wolves. <laughs> They're pretty solid, but hey, Eddie Howe, um, he always uh, gets doesn't know how to coach the defense uh, well enough. Like his defending is is a bit erratic and kind of comes undone. Um, also, like, would he want to give up the amount of control that he has at Bournemouth? 
yeah, that's I think that's that's a big big factor there. He's, he seems very happy in his role, and so he should be. You know, what what he's done with that team has has you know certainly exceeded long term what anyone would have thought. And yeah, it's a it's a risk at some point in his career. He's not an old man at all yet. You know, maybe maybe things change over time and he fancies a, a change of scenery. But he does seem pretty comfortable where he is. Rafa Benitez. I mean, that's that's just well, it, it feels like another kind of Emery kind of thing. It's, it's big to the defence. It's fine, but no one's getting excited about it. Pat Vieira, not for me. Can't coach a build-up. We watched, we reviewed him a lot um, at Nice, and they they had problems. I wouldn't. Felt, be it feels about like he hasn't Vieira. kicked, hasn't quite kicked on from the time he had spent in America, which you know is feasible. You know, not everyone's going to uh, set the world on fire. Ancelotti, Ancelotti. I mean, I don't want to be mean about Ancelotti. I quite like the guy, but you know, it's a decade or so since he was since he was at Chelsea. It just feels like he's time has slightly passed him by a little bit. Again, I, I wouldn't be excited about by that as a as a signing. Yeah, I mean the that said, Napoli have been really good, and and Napoli's numbers are really good, and maybe Carlo's like still actually pretty good and happy to come back to London. I don't. I'm not averse to Angelotti. Let's put it that way. Uh, he's let, he I has want, a job, I want philosophy managers. I don't feel like he's a philosophy manager. He's a he's a steer the ship manager kind of. You know, just. Get the players get to do get the good players on the pitch and see how they get on. I don't know. I just think I want a bit more than that. Any, anybody styles, else we isn't it? Talk styles. About? We're pretty deep. Yeah, we are. We're into like you know the the outsiders. Uh, I don't know. It's tough. Who would you like, Ted, as a fan, or you know, or or conceptually, what type of manager would you like, and we can backfit it from there one day. Okay, so I I have three, and I'm going to save my most favorite for last. Go on, um, uh, three. Marcelino. If right. you want to play more of a, a sort of defensive style and not a high press, but a guy that you know clearly knows how to to manage a team, very good, uh, available um, after his Valencia stint, and uh, you know speaks Spanish as well, so you know the, you can better integrate across. I don't know how good his English is though, so that's like an open question. I think a communicator is really important, uh, especially at this point at Arsenal. Like you need to be able to get your ideas across pretty clearly. Uh, so I think Marcelino's a, a good one if you want that type of style. Um, next yeah, one is Robert two. Schmidt. What's up? At two. <laughs> Robert Schmidt. List. Yeah, okay. um, he, he's back from Beijing. He's probably enjoying a, a well-earned holiday. Uh, might only want to come in in the summertime, but I think that, you know, I think he probably became a better manager having to work with different types of talent and, and having like a real restriction in talent uh, out in China. But still ended up posting some very good results, um, often with like not the the best purchases. And then his time at Leverkusen and, and Salzburg were actually really good. The last season at Leverkusen, he kept getting saddled with players that that weren't his style or fast enough to play the style that he wanted to. But you know, I think that he's become a better manager. The question is like, does he want to get back into this or not? But this is the type of job that would be interesting. And one of the problems for even the Arsenal job is like, there's a sense that the United job is going to be available in not too distant future. Um, Arsenal can't get Tuchel as well, otherwise Tuchel would probably be in that slot on this list. And at number one, Ted Knutson from the Statsman podcast, preferred Arsenal manager is... Marco Rosa and the fighting Rene Meriches. I don't think this is actually close anymore. I think that they're the, the most talented young uh, management team possibly in and around the world right now. The Wunsch and Gladbach are succeeding in ways that just definitely was not expected. Really well, isn't it? <laughs> I think, yeah, I think um, 
you know, we, I'm not saying this just because Renee used to be a scout for us at Brentford. I think they're legitimately that talented and they yeah. know how to coach and develop talent. We all know Rennie from about, from about the place, and uh, yeah, he's he's part of this. But yeah, they're top of the league. Great stuff. <laughs> you, know, you can't argue with that. And so this is it. Maybe they'll step down for Arsenal. Maybe, maybe. But, yeah. I I think that like <laughs> if you're looking for a philosophical manager, young, driven, and the type of guy that that can potentially get you to that next level, like that's a really interesting direction you should go. And and you know we felt this way about Tuchel a few years ago, and. And would have fit the Arsenal style too. And <laughs> he's probably pretty tired of the the Neymar train, but also like PSG are really good, and Arsenal aren't luring somebody from PSG. That's the essential point, isn't it? Like you know, if you're if you're one of these top six man, uh, sorry, sorry, if you're a top six club right now, literally even to any of those six clubs, right? And you've in your mind you think right, one day Pat will leave, one day Klopp will leave, one day you know Solskjaer will leave, whatever it is. If I'm any of those clubs right now, I'm literally. <laughs> Pinning down the rising stars of managerial talent in world football, such as people like Rose, and I'm thinking like, right, we need to be at the front of the queue if and when we get to this situation where we're having to replace our manager and we want we want the best. We don't want to be, you know, going down, <laughs> looking at the vet in this scratching our head, thinking like, oh, I'm not sure about this. Can Pat can Pat Vieira co- coach an attack? It's to be this clear, is the thing and and to toot a little bit of our own horn. We had that duo at the top of a list in February for a customer. Uh, so we did this type of review back in in February and, and March. Um, you know who should you know a bigish club uh, eventually sign as their next head coaching uh, stint, and and we had these guys at the top then as well. So like we're you know we were we were ahead of this foals thing um, but but you know they they they've exceeded my expectations too they're they're probably really really good all right cool <clears throat> did you Top have somebody four. james go on do i have some no i, I don't mind I, I i would i would be happier if they found you know some, someone with a more of a kind of like philosophy kind of coach than than just like you know, one of the same old names i think that would be more interesting i i can't really you know advocate someone uh particularly strongly that i would like um this is with but, you not wearing a tottenham hat right this is you yeah, and yeah, your I objective mean, football hat. No, to- totally I, I just want i just want <coughs> the, the, the bigger teams in in england to be playing like attractive brand of football and be, you know just like Mourinho. uh no um yes just bringing some of the best ideas and fresh ideas and building squads and you know, but just uh, you know, entertaining me basically, and I, I don't really want the kind of like same old rubbish. I think we've had, um, uh, em, em, you know, nothing against Emery. He's had a very successful career, but like Arsenal have been just agonising to watch in recent well, recent months. Uh, probably near enough his whole whole kind of campaign has, has, has been felt like not good enough. They had this thing for, I, I think I tweeted out, they had loads of games who just didn't take any shots in the last half hour or one shot in the second half and all this kind of thing. And it's like, what the hell are you doing? What what even are you doing? You've got better players than that. The one thing Arsenal had was attackers, but like they somehow couldn't couldn't create anything. Just frustrating. I don't want to see that. I want to see. I want to be entertained. I want the good teams to be good. And so At on, least so when Tottenham stopped shooting, they're up 3-0. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, you're going to win 3-2 every week. That's fine. That's fine. Uh, that would be awesome. I, I would happily accept winning 3-2 every week. <laughs> <laughs> it's not bad, is it? Talk, talking of Tottenham, we were going to... I, I think I joked last week that we should talk about whoever's in fifth because it changes every week. Oh, anyway, God. It, it's Tottenham <laughs> this week. Tottenham somehow, after two wins, have launched themselves into fifth. I think only Liverpool and Ars- uh, sorry, Liverpool and Leicester have won the same, won two games in the same period Tottenham have. So, you know, these, this is where the the winds are kind of blowing towards the dominant teams in the league. But it's interesting because the top four, I think you could easily felt the top four was sewn up. Um, I think it's now six points. Chelsea have had a bad run. They've had a, lost a couple of games just as Tottenham have won a couple. And so now the difference between Chelsea in fourth and Tottenham in fifth is four, uh, six points. Plus uh, so, difference, so six yeah, and a half. Yeah, not, so not, in, not insurmountable by any, any degree. Um, and yeah, it's it's interesting. Again, I looked at the betting markets quickly. They they've got Chelsea's favourites. Obviously, they've got points in the bag. Uh, Leicester, Leicester, Liverpool, and Man City are basically certs. Leicester, are not not quite certs, but you know, very heavily favoured. Uh, Chelsea, are kind I, of like... I, also Leicester's goal difference is plus twenty four. Yeah, it's better than fed <laughs> every have to go on amazing. a hell of a run to overcome <laughs> that one. This is it. It's amazing. I mean, over and above the, the crazy matches they've had, they've they've done well. They've won matches and you know, nine nil wins are are very useful. <laughs> also, who has the best defense in the entire league? At least from uh, uh, goals against it's, it's Leicester as well, isn't it? It is nine yeah. goals. You know, screw your advanced stats. Look at the table. <laughs> More goals, <laughs> least least conceded. If goal I difference mean, is predictive of who the actual best team is, then Leicester are the best team in the in the Premier League because they're plus twenty four. Liverpool are plus twenty. Manchester City are plus twenty three. You know, you might want to discount the the nine nil a little bit, but um, you know, it's facts, it, Ted. You can't argue <laughs> with facts. Exactly, can't argue with facts. So factually. <laughs> Looking at this, uh, Tottenham are six and a half points back of Chelsea mm. for a potential top four spot. James feeling quite punchy despite having the devil at the wheel at his at his own club. Um, you know, are, is this a surmountable lead? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like I think the 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 book. The books have it like kind of 1.5 for Chelsea and like I don't know 2.6 for Tottenham, and then no one else is like in the in the ballpark for for this you know kind of like eight nine and up do but, you know that arsenal are one, literally one point behind that <laughs> like no one else is in the frame like yeah, arsenal was, and manchester united are one and two points back but they're like nah it's funny though because i thought um is this just like daft Mourinho effect or whatever it is but like tottenham have never been outside about um you know about four to one or something to for the top four so even when they were shit and you know had pochettino and would look like they're going nowhere so they've they've come in a bit with a couple of wins, which makes makes some sense. So I guess they're really you know, talented. That's the thing, isn't it? You know, you you look at like say Arsenal and Man United squad, and it's like right, okay, there's there's entire segments of this squad that I feel are a little underpowered. Whereas Tottenham squad, you look at it, and it's I know everyone's moaning about right back stuff. Aurier's been pretty good last couple of weeks, as is his way he'll be erratic and stuff. But like yeah, you look at Tottenham squad, and it's like there's talent pretty much throughout this squad they should be able to win some matches so i can quite understand um you know just from a pure talent level why why people are being a little bit positive on tottenham and especially with uh eternal winner marino in charge but having good central defenders is useful too i can i can tell you this from watching arsenal (laughs) over the years it's a a pretty strong thing to to have as part of your squad mustafi came back at the weekend didn't he i didn't realize he hadn't had a minute of premier league football (laughs) this year which was quite controversial and then gets put straight back in 
mean? And then gets put straight back in, and poor guy. I mean, he deflects off him for the first goal, but he looks like he's. Where's he going? He's like, off yeah, on his he, travels he got and, bounced off of a you know another really good chance, and it's just you're watching him out there, and like as I think I tweeted out, like part of me is like, yeah, of course he's going to be rusty. He hasn't played like yeah. a Premier League minute all season. And another part of me is this is no different than what he plays like every single week when <laughs> yeah, he has been in the team. <laughs> Oh man, it's tough. It's tough. What can I say? Uh, so yeah, the top four race is 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 slightly back on again. Chelsea, the thing is, Chelsea are good. I mean, I've I've been quite high on Chelsea. It's just Leicester mm-hmm. just usurping everyone and kind of like landing in a really good spot. And even even if Leicester were like kind kind of like I don't know three or four points le- le- less well off, you'd be like oh, Leicester. Okay, were I less can see them. Well yeah, I can see them dropping back a little bit, but they're really flying. You know, and like you say, the the gap they've got to. Um, so fifth place and beyond is is very significant. Yeah, well, exactly. Like you could see them creep points. down into into fourth over the course of a season, especially hmm. if they have any sig- significant injuries because they're yeah. not as deep as some of the big teams. But you know that's that's a really good set of points in the bank. They are pretty good. Like that defense is is probably. I mean, even even via the expected goals conceded, like is the best in the league. Well, you know, fair enough. They have had a, a couple of, you know, blips with some cards and stuff like that, uh, or like positive swings because of that. So like, you know, you could see them creep into fourth, but with with literally a 12.5 point lead over the team in fifth, it's real hard to see them dropping down into fifth. So yeah, it yeah. It's really does does Chelsea stumble a little bit because you can't see City stumbling into, into you know, not the- top the only analogue we've got for this, the only kind of um, team that's been in a similar situation and then fell away is, I think, Southampton uh, might have been 14, 15. I think it was the first thing I ever wrote for Statsbomb was about this, about their flying start and how unusual it was. And they ended up seventh that year. They had a really kind of slow slow back end and it all went backwards and whatever it was. But they had like really good goal difference. They had really good uh, results, a lot of points. But apart from that, like literally any other team that's ever been in this, this anything like this kind of position that Leicester are in at this point in the season, in, in the last kind of probably decade, probably more, probably 20 years, probably 30 years, uh, has basically converted. And um, yeah, there's, you know, they look, you know, we've got them kind of fourth on expected goals, but obviously they've got this huge points benefit as well. And as as we've discussed is, you know, you kind of like, you're, you're, if part of you looks at it and thinks like, oh, well, Leicester will drop back. Maybe Leicester will be a team that suffers there. And we think that Chelsea is very good. We think that Man City, Man City, Man City, Liverpool, Liverpool are very good and even more clear. So there's, you know, there's, there's only, you know, the, the one spot that arguably Chelsea, Tottenham, maybe, maybe Leicester drop into it. Should Levy had made a change earlier? Well, yeah, that's a good point actually, because you know the writing's been on the wall for a long time, and if you know if Mourinho comes back in, does he go to Brighton and lose three 0 Probably not. Does he draw one one at home to Sheffield United? Maybe not. And there's you know a bunch of these results. It wasn't like Tottenham were just getting stuffed by the good teams; they were getting you know losing points against kind of what you would you know consider lesser teams matches they would have won in the past. So that's an interesting point. And if they end up two points short or one point short I think what was it Vyash Boas' good season when Bale was on fire I think they ended up either it was either goal difference or a point short and they spent you know the whole season kind of like trying to get there trying to get there and it's like yeah you know don't don't <laughs> all games are important <laughs> don't think the start doesn't matter it bloody does because 
that you can count later on anyway yeah that was also like a long-term arsenal complaint i had where they would wait to sign their players until like the last week of the window after you've played like four matches already and you're like look if you wanted to compete for championships like you need to get your guys in and and having preseason time is is really valuable like that's, that's the- a good that's a good point though isn't it like it legitimately was a it was a case in you know not even that long ago three or four years ago where arsenal every season was a case of like right are we going to contend for the championship are we going to tend contend for the title not can we get top four can we be in the mix because they were always in the top four but like they and they would i think it was I can't remember, it was only like three or four years ago, they were top of the league. You know, the, the Leicester season, um, Leicester season, they, they had every everything in their favours convert and then just kind of drifted away. It's, you know, you're talking about Arsenal managers, someone coming in, That it's not that long ago that Arsenal were a legitimate, you know, title contender. And then obviously, you know, various Man City teams and Chelsea teams have been they're like two or three pieces away from having a really good squad. I think, like, you know, depending on how healthy Rob Holding is, um, you know, Bayerine should be at right back whenever he's there. I don't think Cal Chambers is there. But so, like, if we if we say that they're missing kind of one to two good center backs and a left wide forward uh, squad, slightly unbalanced, midfield's actually good. I, I people have been contesting this. Like, I don't. I think that with Torreira, Ozil, and Gendozi, like you've got a, a, a pretty good stack of, of players that can perform. Xhaka may be a lost cause, but he as a backup, like as as you know, your your other defensive midfielder that you need to play sometimes, like that would be perfectly acceptable as well. Um so yeah, I mean, I think that, that Arsenal got better in the summer. We both thought that and and so the talent is kind of there. They're not that far off being, you know, quite competitive. I'm looking at this this Premier League table and it's just so freakish. Like the sixth place team has four wins out of fourteen. <laughs> yeah, I looked at that last season. I think it was last season, uh, last season by this point, I think ten teams had got six or more wins, and this 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 season is like four. <laughs> like that's that's different. And there weren't many draws last season. I don't know if you recall. Yeah, exactly. Famously, like, oh, Tottenham is, didn't draw is many the, matches. Well. Is it the end of the draw era? <laughs> now you're like. <laughs> Uh, Spurs have five, Wolves have eight, Sheffield United have seven, Arsenal have seven, Manchester United have six. Blah. <laughs> yeah, there was, there was someone. Uh, someone. There was a tweet I saw. More goals this season than usual. Um, I can believe that, and that, and it feels like aspects of that are like you know Liverpool concede a goal nearly every game they play, and I think they've had two two clean sheets maybe, and they would keep winning two one. Man City have conceded, you know, a lot more goals than than they have in recent sixteen recent times. Yeah, yeah, Not including great. two to Newcastle over the weekend. Where are you? Where, where is Pep going to get sick of this? Is he going to get bored of this if he doesn't win? The, you know, if he gets knocked out of the Champions League and and Man City kind of like flub their way through the season to second or third in the league, is he going to be like, ah, oh, can't be bothered with this? Don't want to do this. Anymore. I, I I like this. I like that he's like petulant and and unwilling to just not win all the time. Like, no, I've had enough. <laughs> this is irritating. Go away. Not, not that he's he's had the best challenges of his career in the Premier League, and this Liverpool team have taken him like toe to toe. Like, no, no. Like, I, I'm tired of competing. Let's let's finish that. I think it's the opposite. I mean, he's saying it's the opposite, but you never know like what Pep says is is true or not. But he's saying, you know, this is good. Like we're we're not normally in this position, and we're going to compete. And I think that it's healthy for us to to you know to have to chase some things. And you know, maybe that's true. Yeah, I mean, if there's one hit, you know, if there's one team that can go and reel off ten wins on the spin, or twelve, or fifteen, and have 
a number of times. <laughs> yeah, then it is Man City, and Liverpool won't win. Won't, Liverpool won't win thirteen of their next fourteen games. So Ooh, I, I wouldn't. <laughs> they won't. These are the these are the type they, of wagers that get me in trouble. I'm not going to be twenty six two and zero. You're going into like April or something. That'd be awesome, but I don't think it's going to happen. So um, let's scan and move our eyes further down the table, uh, not fifth where the mighty Tottenham Hotspurs are, or sixth the Wolves, but um, down at the bottom. So like the bottoms, you, we we often wait to kind of see how things tease out, um, and and the bottom sometimes ends up being like the only fun part to talk about in the Premier League because usually it's competitive for quite a long time. Watford have eight. At the moment, and Everton have 14, which is and you know a much better goal difference. Assuming Everton don't stay down there, Brighton have 15, Aston Villa have 15, Newcastle United have 16, and a minus nine goal difference. So like Watford are minus six and a half points uh, away from safety. At what point is and they just fired a manager again uh, as they do because that's like the Pozo thing. So like at what point is there? Is their season done? Not yet, but the, no. I, I've, I've noted, noted this before. Having three managers in a season, in and of itself, is is usually a poor signifier. Of course, they they need Big Sam. It's not even Christmas. They're up to three. I, I mean, I think they need the Fat Sam sim- symbol. Like, put it up on the light, put it into the darkened night sky, have it shine on the clouds. I think he's the only one that can come save them. It'd be interesting, wouldn't it? Because that would that would feel like it was be outside their kind of general, um, you know, their general kind of strategy. They don't tend to, to grab, you know, go into the kind of like English manager pool to to dig them out. Um, it's true, but they do not want to be relegated. And they were talking about Chris Hughton. No, and no. I, I don't. I don't think Hughton is is like their their savior here. I think Sam's no. like the only person that you look at that can really probably save them from this position. You need, yeah, you need someone. You need someone who can get you three points off six shots. That kind of thing, and Sam Sam's about the only person who can do the that. The great Allardici, <laughs> El Grande Samuel. All you have he to has- do is re- rebrand him. If he shows up as the Allardici, like he's immediately in an Italian club, no question. Oh man, he can pay for a fake. He can pay for a fake passport. <laughs> I'm not saying anything there. I'll tell you what. Right, let's look at let's look let's just look at metrics because these are these right from Palace down. So that's basically the whole bottom half of the table, right? Everyone looks meh, about the same. A bit as crap. In, as but in varying levels of, of a bit quite, crap. Quite negative kind of uh, expected goals. Apart from Everton, who are actually, we've got them very slightly in credit. And they're, they're, Everton are a little bit perplexing right now because the aspects of that. I listened to Paul Riley's podcast. If you get bored of us, go and listen to him uh, <laughs> uh, the other day. And he was talking about Everton. And, and um He's, he's, frust- he's eternally frustrated by them, but like their metrics look quite good. They're like conceding nine shots a game, which is I think only uh, might only be Leicester, that, possibly City. I don't know. There's only a couple of teams that are better than that. Um, but they've just, they've lost eight games <laughs> out out four out fourteen, yeah. and it just doesn't seem to be able to get it right. But like they look they look different. Like I say, they look different to all the other teams in the bottom half of the table insofar as their metrics. For, for good or for ill, look okay. They look like I was starting to get team. a little excited about their set pieces last year too. Like they had yeah. the long throws, and they were starting to score off of stuff. And I don't know what's going on, but they're they're like clearly the outliers. And and Everton should be basically solidly mid table. Um, 
And I think the other one that you have to give a little bit of credit to, even though I know you hate to do it, is is Bournemouth are like only a quarter goal to the negative, so not so bad. Um, you know, should be in and around mid table. But when we, when we look at the other teams, like Crystal Palace at minus point five seven, uh, you know, as as we've said a number of times, I think that uh, Roy can take a bunch of straw men out there, bales of hay, and somehow end up mid-table with a, with the team. Like, they don't even need much talent. They just need really good organization. And, you know, bales of hay are good at blocking shots. So I think I think their schedule's useful. not too bad as well coming up. Where Palace, Palace haven't got like a bunch of tough teams in their next, you know, in, the, in their kind of near future. So, you know, as we get towards the halfway point, it's potentially, you know, Palace have got the tough games a little bit in their rear view mirror. So, West Ham got a hugely undeserved win at the weekend. Uh, so over Chelsea, like that one felt like you know about twenty five percent of the time they get something out of that. Yeah, game. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was an odd one, that wasn't it? Yeah. So they're but they're up in sixteenth. Otherwise, they'd be down in thirteenth, and they would be like in in Everton's current spot. So like West Ham, not very good. Newcastle, we've been banging that drum the whole time, and and don't think that they're good. But you know it, that bottom cluster is so tight that. Uh, you know, a, a couple wins and not getting draws is, is pretty valuable for you. Uh, Aston Villa, you know, grinding out, still there, 15 points, you know, some wins, some draws, not great defending. And then Brighton. Brighton look like they're kind of in that range, but yeah, there's some some card luck and, and whatever. Could be much better. Um, don't think that they're real relegation candidates, but they're not far off. No, I mean, like, sheer facts of the facts, facts. <laughs> the sheer facts of our modelling <laughs> as their expected goals is a, a shade worse than the bottom three. So, yeah. But, like, you know, we've got, like, Palace and West Ham and Newcastle. Newcastle's metrics just look not good. But at some point, we have to say, like, actually, Steve Bruce, despite your metrics looking awful, you're not doing too badly. He's over, yeah. over, they're over a point a game. That's no. I'll, you can see. I'll take that. I'll take the Steve Bruce. I'll uh-uh. take that. I'm, if, I'm, if not, I'm not on with this, James. I'm I'm, I'm going to uh-huh. disagree on this. One. You don't. Come, you don't have to back. say that until the end of the season. <laughs> but yeah, but I think the, the the truth of it is like all of these teams are, are in in the mix here, um, and you know shouldn't shouldn't take their eye off the ball at all. You know, there's 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 various issues that you could you could describe about any of them. Um, obviously, the se- severe problem Watford, you know, mile off off uh, safety. Norwich a little bit the same. Southampton unlucky not to uh, beat Arsenal last weekend, and you know that's that's tough for them. But I think again, again, I think Southampton have got a slightly. Southampton play a few games against against these rivals coming up in the next uh, in the next kind of like three or four weeks. So. You know, opportunity to kind of get back in the mix. Two, two thing is two wins. If you can somehow find two wins, then yeah. you know you you really do change your perspective on everything. And even you know, even what if Watford could, you know, get a new manager and find two wins, then you know they're going to be a lot closer. So yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't like to. I don't. I there's not a team that you look at. I mean, obviously Watford's you know point total is poor. But there's not a team that you look at and you think like actually this team is significantly worse than everyone else. Normally there's a, a team in the league, uh, one or two that you think like oh no it's just this is just disaster zone from start to finish. And I can understand why you might want to you know put Watford in that category. But you feel like there there is some talent in that squad. They could get a boost off a of manager. It didn't happen last time. They might be toast, but you know it's not. It's not. It's not the league is yet. strong. The league is genuinely strong from top to bottom. Like, and the teams that have slightly weaker coaches generally have some talent. Uh, I don't. It's, I don't know what's going to happen. I think. I feel like Southampton probably should be a little further up than they than they actually are. Uh, but yeah, like we don't know. I, I do have a, a very important question for you, James. 
go on. Aside from the top four currently, so City, uh, Chelsea, Liverpool, and Leicester City, um, Manchester United are the fifth best on non-penalty expected goal difference. Who's the sixth? I'm staring at it, so I can tell you. And uh, we, we've we've come full circle. <laughs> We're back to two years ago. It's Burnley. It's the fighting Sean Dyches. All right, so I've made up Dyches. my mind. And actually, Arsenal's just higher Sean Dyches. You know, the, the the best manager in the league that they can get a hold of right now. And on that note... <laughs> <laughs> on that bombshell... <laughs> we have to talk about your Christmas gift to everybody before we wrap up. Oh yeah, we're gonna well, we're gonna finish the messy project, aren't we? Um, I think we already have finished the messy project, but, just a, but some some uh, strategic building of the the uh, the release. But uh, before Christmas, the the last uh, few seasons of, of Messi that uh, to finish off the project that we started in summer will be released. And of course, with your 2019 Ballon d'Or winner uh, being news of the week, so to speak. Uh, for all your Messi needs, Statsbomb has lots of data. There's lots of Statsbomb data on Messi out there that you can play with and create stories about. So, yeah. For those of you who are unaware of what the Lionel Messi sort of data biography is, like we went back and we collected all of his uh, La Liga games from the start of his career in 04, 05, uh, and we've released it in, in packs. And the final pack, uh, at least from the end or up to the end of last season, will come out um, soon. And, you know, it's out there for people to play with. You've never had a longitudinal data set like this across one player's career. There's so much cool stuff in there about, like, his teammates and uh, some of his opponents. And, and we wanted to, to basically give a gift to the world um, and allow them to use this data and, and what we think is the best event data in the space. Learn from it, analyze it in, in a non-commercial way. Like, you can use it for your um, research projects and stuff at school and, and things like that. Um, and I think it's like it's really cool. So we've we've done a couple different packs or three different packs so far. James has written about some of the interesting stuff in those. We've got one more coming up, and uh, you know we'll let you know exactly when it drops, and you guys should check it out. All right, so that is it for this week, and uh, we've got midweek Premier League stuff. Unless something dramatic happens, I don't think we'll be back for another podcast. But thank you for listening once again, and thank you, James, for being here. <laughs> no worries. I'm here. Otherwise, Thank I you, just Ted. talk to myself all the time. <laughs> yeah, you got, we got to we got to mix it up. We got to mix it up. Anyway, no worries. We'll see you next week, probably. Cheers. Bye.